What's your motive? As I was going through this this week, the Lord was challenging me through this uh, message. And so just so you know, um, thank the Lord for His Word. I read it every day. I love it. It's just a wonderful thing. Um, I like to, to cycle. I like to get on the bike and cycle. I've um, been doing it for years. And so I went years ago to get some good shoes that would clip into the clips properly. And so I went down to a local bike shop. This guy that's been doing bikes for like 30 some odd years, he goes, okay, let me help you with this. I needed to get these cleats on these nice shoes. And so he goes, okay, I just want you to walk. I said, okay, what am I walking? He goes, just walk. I said, okay, so I start walking. And he's watching the whole time I'm walking. And he goes, okay, come on, keep walking. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm watching the way you walk. I said, okay. Have you ever looked at that? Watch the way people walk. Everybody walks differently. Some have a swagger. Some have, you know, some are like the, you know. Everybody walks different, right? And it, just, just watch people, how they walk. And I'm like, why? What's the, he goes, because I'm going to put those cleats on your shoes a certain way through the way you walk because there's a science to it. So, oh, there's a science to everything, right? But he clipped it in there like that and he put them in tight them in, and it's almost like, it, it's, I don't know how to, how to, it's amazing how I had old shoes that didn't have that done to it. And the new ones I have now, I'm like, wow, that, that feels better. Or is it just in my mind, right? Or is it just, you know, but it's something about that. Um, and so realize that as we go through this today and look through God's Word, we're going to be in two areas. Of course, a lot of different places. I always skip through and run around Scripture. But we're going to look at two different areas today. So 2 Samuel 6 and 2 Kings 5. So it's all Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. Uh, I know we're New Testament saints, but we're in the, the Old Testament on the left-hand side of the book. So we're in 2 Samuel 6 and 2 Kings 5 today. Um, so my question for us today is, what's your motive? I wonder if there's things that we do for a specific reason because we're wanting a specific outcome. Um, I wonder why we do what we do. What is your motive in the things that you do? Um, I have to catch myself on that, you know, and I have to be transparent with you. You know, I've told, over, I've told you for years about how when I met my wife some 34 or 5 years ago when she was on a missions trip going to the Philippines and coming back through DFW Airport, how I was there to make sure that everybody got back safely, and I was praying with our missionaries, oh, and just making sure they were safe. It was midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. But really, that wasn't my motive at all. All right, My motive was to go see Sharon come off of that plane and just to see her face one more time. That was my motive. Forget the prayer, forget the missionary thing. I just wanted to see the girl, right? And so that was my motive. Isn't that somehow we do certain things because we're looking for something? Or what is behind the action and the thing that's transpiring? And so, and I was even reading this morning, I was reading in the book of Luke and how the Lord asked Peter. He said, Peter, he goes, what, who do they say that I am? Who do they say? They go, well, some say Elijah, some say the prophet of long ago, some say whoever. But Jesus said, well, who do you say I am? Who do you say? Oh, that brings it on home, doesn't it? Who do you say I am? He said, oh, oh, I know that. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. And then Jesus challenged me this morning. He goes, who do you say I am? 
the same thing. He goes, prove it. <laughs> mm. Then I read down a little farther, and it says, you know, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny self. You must pick up your cross and follow me. I don't believe it's a literal cross. A brother carried a cross around, the, you know, around 820 or whatever, you know, no, and I pick up a cross. Um, it's your relationship, get up every day and spending time with the Savior. Um, and then what? Deny, you you pick up your cross and you what? You follow me. So this walk thing, this getting up every day and walking with Jesus, how's your walk going? How is your walk doing? Are you reading the Word of God? And then... Are you applying it every day? Um, let's go through this today. Um, I just really, the Lord challenged me today um, and this week as far as what's in his word today. We're talking about conversations with the Father, conversations with God. Um, I love to talk with the Savior. I love to share my life with Jesus and God the Father. Um, and he speaks to me, and I sit and I listen and I speak to him, it's a conversation back and forth. And today when he told me to prove it, I'm like, whoa, that's pretty straightforward, is it not? Prove it. Show me. Show me, James. Show me that you love me. Show me that you're going to follow me. Show me. And so and I realized as we've been going through this, talking about this for probably the past month and a half, um, different things as far as conversations. We've looked through Scripture, who had conversations with Jesus, uh, with God the Father, things that transpired, learn some things from it, and walk our day out through those different principles. But today, and even maybe next week, I want us to look at the things that hinder us in our communication with the Father. The things that hinder, that block, that clog, that get in the way between us and the Savior because of the things that transpire, the things that we walk through, and our walk sometimes isn't as straight as it ought to be. God wants us to care about what He cares about. Your motives determine the way you walk. Your motives determine the way you walk. I like this sentence here. Listen to this real quick. Continually examine your motives to be sure your actions carry out the interests of the one you serve and not your own. That really punched me this week. How many things do I do throughout the week that is all for James? It's all for me. Right? It is. I mean, we, we, we have a date day on Mondays, me and the wife do, after I get home from work. And so we go out about 1 or 2 in the afternoon, and, and we stop by Sprouts. We don't stop there just for, I, I go there to get those little chocolate-covered raisin things. And then we stop by McDonald's and get a little coffee because we're on a date night. So we're driving down the highway, drinking coffee and eating little snacks. And, and we'll go do a few church things, but we're off there. And then we'll stop and we'll talk and we'll go out to eat a little bit. And we'll go shopping for a shirt. Or, and, and so that whole day is filled with me and mama, mama and me, and chocolate and coffee. And, and I'm thinking, wait, what, where did Jesus come into the mix? I mean, we pray a little bit, but, but um, how much stuff do I do? And what are my motives? Are they pure? Um, the things I'm going through? So the, really the first thing today I want us to look at 
as we're looking at Scripture is to realize that the ignorance of God's Word is a blockage. Not knowing this book will block your relationship with Jesus Christ, the ignorance thereof. I'm truly, the more I talk to people and the more I'm around people and the more I visit your homes, surely not your homes, but, but as I walk into your homes and talk with people, um, I realize how much of this word people do not know. They don't read this word. Um, let's take a look. 2 Samuel 6, verse 3. Here's David. Saul, David, Solomon, the three kings of the United Kingdom of the Old Testament. says this. They set the ark of God on a new cart. Okay, the ark of God. What is the ark? The ark is that the, the, the presence of Almighty God is actually a box that was made covered with gold, and inside was the Aaron's rod, and there was the, 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 the manna, and there was uh, the Ten Commandments was inside. But the presence of God was inside this ark. I mean, I can't even imagine what that was like. The presence of God was in the ark. Just, that just blows me away. The glory of Almighty God was in the... As a matter of fact, 70 guys at one time, they peeked inside. <laughs> Don't look inside the box, okay? They, they died, okay? It wasn't a good thing. So anyway, th there was this, this ark, and so here's this ark, and David's transporting it. He, he's trying to get it from one guy's house to Jerusalem. He's trying to get it from one spot to another, and so he's like, okay, let's go get it. They put it on a cart, it says. They brought it from the house of Abinadab. It's been there 20 years, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ohio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart. I'm sure this cart was beautiful. I'm sure it had the best wheels, the best wood. It was a nice cart. And they put this ark on top of it, and they're transporting it to where it needed to go. They wanted to take it to Jerusalem. And before... They had used it as a good luck charm in battle with the Philistines. The Philistines got it, caused all kinds of issues in the five of their cities. And so they eventually got rid of it, and they sent it along. And the same way they put a cart with some, with some cows on it, and they pulled it along. They finally got it back. And so now after 20 years, thank the Lord they have the ark, but they're transporting it, and David's transporting it. And it says, with the ark of God on it, and Ohio was walking in front. David and all the Israelites were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets. Harps, lyres, tambourines, cymbals, you name it, they had it. But something happened. It kind of jostled, and it started to topple, and it almost fell over. And so what do you do when something almost falls over? You try to what? You try to catch it, right? So what did one guy do? He reached out to touch the ark to kind of stabilize it, and he passed out dead right there on the ground. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, oh, my gosh, stop the cart. Stop it, right? Stop. David, from that moment on, was like fearful that day. He's like, oh my gosh. So that ark stayed there until he finally figured out, I wonder how you're supposed to transport the ark. Were we not doing it correctly? And so they went back, and he saw in Scripture how it says here it's supposed to be carried with holes through the holes on the sides and by the Levites. That's the proper way to carry the ark. You know? So many times, and even myself, when I read through, I'm thinking, okay, are, are, we, are we doing things correctly? 
in my life and in the church? Are we doing things correctly? Are we, do we know this word so that it can guide our every step? And it challenges me. Do I really know what this says? Do I, do I just read it or do I study it to show thyself approved? I'm really thinking that even myself included, um, even Billy Graham himself said, if you had to lock it over again, what would you do? He goes, I would read this for enjoyment more than just doing it to be able to what? Present it. Um, wow. You know, and I find myself at times where I want to sit down and read more, and I do, and other times I get busy. Um, you know, you really think about it. What's really important in life? What's really important? I mean, we have some friends we went to visit just a couple weeks ago. They're in their 90s now. And um, uh, they're living in, in a nice place where they're taken care of quite well. Um, but, you know, life slows down. And now they're just there. They have no car no more. They're just living in a spot. They go to eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, and back to their little place where they stay. And they watch some TV and talk to people and play some games. But life slows down. And it's very quick like a vapor. Is it not? So how much time do you really spend reading the Word of God and knowing it. See, if David had read it more, if David had spent more time, he would have known you don't put the ark on a cart. You don't, do, I'm, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure it was a beautiful cart. I mean, I'm sure it was. I mean, he had the best of the best of the kingdom. But that's not how you do it. And so the ignorance thereof cost him one of his friends and soulmates there that was there that took care of things. And, and so he lost that person that day. And because of what? Because of the ignorance that transpired. You know, we say, oh, it's okay. Pastor will feed us this week. He's been studying God's word, so he'll, he'll feed us. He'll feed us. You know what? When we go to small group in the week, I thought, you know, guys, how's your reading going? You reading, God, you're reading God's word this week? Like, yeah, yes. Well, explain. Elaborate. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh, you know, like, well, I read it. You know, that little, you know, little thing on your phone that says, Jesus wept. I read that, and and I just it really impacted my life today. And I'm like, oh, good friend. How much of the word are we really consuming? I mean, I, when I sit down for chips and salsa, I consume the whole bowl. When I sit down with this word, I'm hoping I'm consuming books at a time. I'm hoping your Bible has tears and rips and it's old and it's just all falling apart. You got to tape it together. Why? Because this is the most important thing that you'll ever do throughout your day besides loving your wife, loving the Lord, and taking care of the church. Yes, but making sure you read. So the Word of God, studying it, is very important. Jesus answers us when our petitions are in agreement with His purpose. You know, we go to God in prayer, and we're conversing with Him, and I always go there, Lord, Father, we need this. Father, we need that. Lord, touch this. Lord, heal this. God, help me here. Lord, do this. And so the word of God says in 1 John 5, 14, 15, I love 1 John, there's a little John's in there. Love that. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him according to his will. I wonder what his will is. What's God's will? What's his will? Well, if you read the word of God, 
This is his will right here. Every bit of it is his will. His will is his word. And so I went there, and I wanted to find some things that actually said his will in it. And so I found them. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. You want to know God's will for your life? You want to know God's will for your life? Well, pastor, I'm graduating high school. Should I go to college? Should I just go get a job? Should I just go uh, to a ministry school? Should, should I, uh, what, 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 what do I do? What do I, what do I, what? all right? I called my dad, who was a pastor. What should I do? He, but dad, what do you think? Are you going to talk, dad? He's already spoken. 40 plus guys, over 1,500 years, over three or four different continents, put together by these councils, and we have it in our hands. And people died to get it to us. Wycliffe died to give it to us. Gave it to us. And, well, we'll get there, Mom. Next picture. Did you realize that they really wanted you to have this? God really wants you to have this. And he really wants you to have it instantly. So that, therefore, you won't be ignorant. Therefore, you won't have someone come and give you a doctrine or something, and you go, you know what? That sounds right. No, it's, it's probably totally wrong. You need, to, you need to check it out. And what I say, you need to check it out. Just because I say, like, oh, pastor said, you need to check it out. You need to. Does it line up with the word? So what else is God's will? It says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Working on that. That's a tough one. Give thanks in all circumstances. I don't know about that one. Right? Right? Have you ever been in a circumstance and go, give thanks for that? I don't know about you, but walking this thing out, for me this week, or really this past month, has been really hard. Because... I'm underneath somebody who doesn't love Jesus. I'm underneath somebody who doesn't care who I am. I'm underneath somebody who could care less about anything but himself. And that's one of my people I report to every day. What's the word of God say to do? Bless those who persecute you. Love those, I'm thinking... We even talk about that small group. I said, I ain't doing that. They go, what? I ain't, I ain't, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to bless that guy. I'm, I'm not going to love on him. I'm just going to steer clear of him and do my job. And the more I did that, the more I, there he was again. Oh, my gosh. Everywhere I went, there he was. Why is he, why does he, what? And he knows it, too. He, he, he just doesn't really care. How's your walk? If I didn't know that the Word of God said, and maybe that's why we don't read it. Maybe, maybe we don't read it because we know that if we read it, then we're responsible. Then we got to walk it out. So, I don't know it, 
And then I'm free. I don't know if I'm going to love my brother. I'm just walking around ignorant. I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I don't know. <laughs> right? Be facetious, right? Whatever that is. What, what should I do? Why, why, why do you come to church? Why do you serve Jesus? It's because I don't want to go to hell because it's very hot there. So I don't want to go there. Or is it because you love him so much? Because, I'm not in this Bible, other Bible at home, I'll read to him. I've got a picture of Jesus on the cross, you know, from the, from the movie. Just bloody, beat up, you can't even see it. I, mean, I, I put it every day, and I put it like right this next to my, it's, it's looking at me as I'm reading scripture the whole time. It's like he's looking at me. Just blood, just, he's just like, can't tell you how much he loves you. It blows my mind. His will for you is to rejoice, pray, and give. And then it goes on. He wants us to have a holy walk. He wants us to have good behavior. These are all God's will for you. It's in scripture. He wants everyone to be saved. That's his will. We pray that his will be done. Do you pray for that? Lord, you will be done as it is in heaven, as it what? As in, on earth, as in heaven. Pray that, he tells us to pray. He wants us to walk straight. Knowing where you stand before the Lord, you can be free before the Lord when you know where you stand before him. So make sure, make sure that you get rid of that hindrance by knowing the word of God. And number two, how about this? This one right here, the selfish motives. This is why we really wrote this out today. The motives. What is a motive? It's an underlying. What is a motive to you? What's a motive? It's an underlying what? I'm doing something because I want something. Something underlying before me that I'm wanting what? To be able to, to do or to have. What is your intention? Um. Looking at James 4, 3, it says this. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. And you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I like what the King James says. It says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss. <laughs> it's like you're shooting an arrow. You know, or you're shooting the deer. Miss that one. It's, you're, you're shooting amiss. That's, or that you may what, consume it upon your lusts, it says in the King James Version. A miss is with wrong intent. Would you agree? We can ask for good things with wrong motives. Hmm. If we expect God to answer us, we must ask aright. He considers what we want and why we want it. You ever thought about that? You ask for something, right? He goes, okay. Why are you asking for that? Why are you really asking for that? You think God weighs that out? I'm sure he does. He looks at our what? Our heart. So here's a man. Let's find out about this motive thing. The reason for doing something, especially one that is hidden or not obvious. All right, 2 Kings chapter 5. Let's turn there. 2 Kings 5. 
This is about Elisha. Not Elijah, but Elisha, one of the prophets. Matter of fact, he asked Elijah for a double portion. He got it. So realize that people are seeing Elisha do double what Elijah did. And miracles are all around him. Things are happening. So what happens when you see, even here on the earth, you see someone that has the gift of healing or the gift of something? What do we do? We fly there, right? We go there. We want to see that. We want to, we want to experience that. Um, let's say you're sick. You go there. You want them to pray for you. Um, absolutely. So here in this, we have a situation where there is the foreign powers coming and going. You have one here. Um, this king of Aram came in. They came in. They took some people. They always came in and took people away, and they would transplant people. And it's kind of a weird thing. But, but here they are. They're away from Jerusalem area. They're away from Samaria. They're away from Israel. And they're up here now. And it says here, by all means, in chapter 5, verse 5, it says, By all means, go to the king of Aram, replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. All right, who is this king? And who is this Naaman? And why is he going back to Samaria? You know the story, right? You don't, let me explain it to you. Naaman had leprosy. And I believe there's even leprosy now. Somewhere in the world there's leprosy colonies where people have leprosy. Um, this name and had leprosy. He was part of that um, military group that took care of the king of Iran. Um, he was one of his main generals. And he had this leprosy. And some people they transplanted? Well, there was a person in his house that was a servant girl that was from Jerusalem, Samaria area. She goes, you know, you know, I, I'm kind of just clean here. So, but you know, if, if you went back to where I used to live, there's this prophet there, Elisha. And he can pray for you, and you'd be healed. What would you be like? Absolutely. So he goes to his king. I want to go. He goes, go ahead and go. So he's going there with all these gifts to go get himself a clean bill of health. Verse 10, chapter 5. Elisha sent a message to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be cleansed. Okay, he goes there. They, they knock on the door of the prophet. Now, he's stopped by the king first of Samaria to get permission to go see the, the prophet. The king tears his clothes. Elijah already found out about it because when the king tears his clothes, everybody knows about it. So he finds out about it. This guy comes to his house, knocks on the door. Elijah didn't even go to the door. He sent a servant and said, go, go tell him to go wash Seven times in the Jordan. So he knocks on the door. The servant comes, and he goes, do what? Go. Is Elisha there? Yeah, but he told me just to go tell you to go wash. Just go, go just dip seven times. Closes the door. Well, I wanted Elisha to come out, wave his hand, anoint with oil, speak the word of God, and then I'd be healed. I want all that, all that stuff. You want me to go and dip seven times in the Jordan? He ran, he just, he was, he was all upset about that. Now, who's watching all this? This servant, we'll get to in a minute. This servant's watching this whole thing. 
And his, his servant, this other guy's servant, says, why? if he would have told you and did all that stuff there, and you, would, you would have accepted that, so why not just do what he says? All right, okay. So he goes to Jordan, and he dips seven times in the water. Can you imagine? Once. Still got it. Twice. Oh, and by the way, this isn't as clean as the rivers back at my house. It's kind of dirty. I mean, not real clean, but gosh, I got to come here and splash around. Three. Still got it. Four. Gosh, this is a waste of time. Five, right? Have y'all been there, done that? You pray about the five, six times? This is a waste of time. I'm going to go small group again and pray again. Oh, what are you going to pray for, guys? Can we pray for my dad? Can we pray for my son? Can we pray for my neighbor? Can we pray for, can we pray for, can we pray? Right? Six. Seven. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's just as smooth as a baby's. Crazy, right? Remember your babies when they were small? Gosh, they're great, isn't it? They grow up. Well, look at verse 20. Gehazi, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman. Because, see, Naaman came back and said, hey, thanks. Um, let me give you some gifts. Don't you want to give gifts to somebody that healed you? Absolutely. Here's some gifts. I brought some silver, gold, some clothing. Here, have, have. here. Uh, and what, what did Elijah say? I don't want any of that. Let's take it back. I, to God be the glory. Right? Well, this servant says, my master was too easy on him by not accepting from him what he brought. So as surely as the Lord lives, I'll run after him and get something from him. Okay? Elijah didn't know he went, but he did know. Okay? So he's not telling his master. He runs after him. He hurried after Naaman. When Naaman saw him, verse 21, running toward him, he got down from the chariot and said, Is everything all right? Everything, everything okay? Everything's all right, he said. My master sent me. <clears throat> Lied, right? Did the master send him? No. When you're out of God's will, what do you start doing? Start lying. He's lying. Oh, my gosh. He said, my master sent me. And matter of fact, there's two young men from the company of the prophets who just came in from the hill country. Now, they may have. We don't know. But probably lying here, too. Please give me a talent, silver, two sets of clothes. <laughs> What's he want? He wants a little something, right? He wants a little something, something. By all means, take two talents, Naaman said. I urged Gehaziah to accept them and then tied the two tablets of silver in a bag and two sets of clothes. He gave them to his two of his servants to carry them along. Those two servants went with him. They went back to their house area, and he put the stuff in his house. Verse 25. When he went in and stood before his master, Elijah, Elijah asked him, Hey, where have you been? Oh, your servant didn't go anywhere, he said. Lie number two, <laughs> right? Hmm. But Elijah said to him, Was not my spirit with you when God got down from the chariot? Is this the time to take money or accept clothes or olive groves or vineyards or flocks or herds or males or female slaves? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. I don't like that. That's horrible, right? I don't mind that guy getting it, but for his descendants, what if you're his son? Huh. Doesn't seem very fair, does it? Mm. Well, the blood of Jesus breaks every chain. The blood of Jesus breaks every curse. If your dad did something that's clinging to you, it can be broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
That's the good news of the gospel, right? Yeah, so don't walk in that anymore. You don't walk in that. It breaks every chain. The blood does. It breaks every chain. Greed uses people to obtain things. You can be greedy in four different areas. Money, possessions, fame, and pleasure. The servant's actions were dishonest. It was a miss. He pursued, he lied, he stole, he concealed, he lied. Wow. When you serve and assist someone above and beside you, it demands absolute loyalty. <laughs> How's your loyalty to Jesus? <laughs> What's your motive, right? Why do you go to your neighbor and give him some groceries? Is it because... You want something from your neighbor? I, I, I wasn't going have like a string in my pocket and tie it to it and, and like, a, like a dollar and give someone a dollar here and have a string attached to it. <laughs> right? Is there, do we have strings attached to things? Do we give because we want something from you? Or do we give because we just give because Christ said to give with nothing attached? Right? We do, don't we? Sometimes we just do it because we know that we want to get something back. Lord forbid that we do that. Continually examine your motives and be sure your actions carry out the interests of the one you serve and not your own. I can't get over that quote today. I just can't. That's just the one you serve. Who are you serving?